This is your host, Larry Atencia. With me today is Marissa Black. Um, care to tell the audience how we know each other, Marissa? Hi. Uh, we work together at the same Catholic grade school. Um, I think we met a year ago because I came in April last year. So it's been almost a year. Yeah, that. Yeah, I remember that. Good, good weather. I'm always excited for the for the <laughs> spring and the uh, rejuvenation of the earth. Um, so you already sort of brought up the fact that we work at the same elementary schools. You're the second person from from school that's uh, been a guest at the for for the for the podcast. Um, but you care to just give us the details of, of of what you do there? Yeah. So I'm the middle school math teacher and English teacher for my homeroom. Um, I was working at another school before, and then our grade school was missing a religion teacher. They didn't have one. She's on maternity leave. So I switched schools. Um, so my other school placement wasn't really working out super well. So I switched schools to where we are now um, partway through the year. And I feel like we just got to know each other through like recess monitoring, essentially yeah. <laughs> just like <laughs> in the yard, making sure middle schoolers don't kill each other um, in the sunshine, which is great. I'm excited exactly. for that too. Um, yeah. That, I remember that being fun. Um, yeah. Just going outside. I, it wasn't part of my job description, but <laughs> I, I like to be outside and take in my vitamin D, vitamin D and just, you know, the sort of worshiping of Sol Invictus. I remember also just being a little nervous just because I know that I can talk a lot and can be a bit off-putting with just <laughs> my conversation. So... I'm glad that you uh, mentioned that you enjoyed it and 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 that it was something that uh, was a positive experience as opposed to uh, what others uh, experience, which oh, is God. like, when <laughs> when is this guy going to stop talking about the most random of things? No, it was great because like where I have been before, there was no teacher culture at all. Of Like teachers would not really talk to each other at all or like really have any kind of bonding or like time or space for conversation. So it's just like, oh, I can sit outside with like a couple of teachers and just like chat. And I don't know, it was just very like a cool, comforting culture to come into. Um, so I feel like having spent time in a couple of different school cultures is just like something really important to me. It's just teachers that can kind of just shoot the shit a little bit and like just hang out and talk in a yard. So it was cool to be able to do that. Well, I'm glad that um, I was part of, of building that positive yeah. um, culture. Um, so yeah, that, that's that's amazing. Um, the next thing I wanted to sort of get into was just uh, whether you have a family or, you know, what your plans are in terms of, you know, in the future and, and building that. Yeah. So I, I'm not married, um, don't have a partner. So my family is just like my immediate family that I grew up with. I'm a middle kid, um, got an older brother and a younger sister, my parents. So I, I don't know, I've never like envisioned myself as someone to ever like build a family necessarily, or like have kids. That's never been like a desire of mine necessarily. Um, which I feel like just growing up as a young woman in our culture, it's kind of assumed that that is something that you want or something that you're like aiming for. Um, and I feel like the last like maybe like five or so years, I kind of realized that about myself. Like, oh, I'm not necessarily like strongly opposed to creating or building a family. It's just never been something I felt like called to. You know, I feel like yeah. if people have 
like start to build their own family it should be something that you like have a deep desire for and feel called to and I feel like it's just never something I've been called to um and as a teacher it's like I get my fill of having (laughs) like 90 kids to be responsible for every day so it's like I don't know I feel like I still get to and I have nieces too so I feel like I still kind of get to enjoy part of that role of like mentorship not parenthood because I think that's such a different role that I have so much respect for people who are parents because I don't know if it's one I could do but I feel like still being able to be like a positive influence in a kid's life just from a slightly different angle of being an aunt or being a teacher um or as a camp counselor for a while too just kind of like from the roles I feel like still getting that like satisfaction and that joy from that and learning a lot too from students or my nieces but yeah I feel like it's never really been something I've really felt called to but from like peripherally I've still been able to kind of enjoy some similar parts of that role even though I know parenthood itself is such (laughs) can you imagine such a different experience (laughs) yeah um how old are you I'm 28 yeah and the reason I ask is because you're um comment right now was you know aside from the fact that you know i'm a man and you're you're a woman um is basically 100 percent of what i would have said at your age too and so it's interesting because i think um not necessarily that this is something that you're going to go through as you you know get older um and mature but i do think that um there comes a point where life can uh, make it so that you feel a sort of need or drive to um, to become a, a parent. Yeah. Uh, because I was in the same boat that that you were. I had um, niece, uh, nieces and nephews, and you know, I, I, I had been a teacher. I've been a teacher since I was 22, 23. So I was like. Yeah, I don't necessarily want that extra responsibility in my life. I don't think that uh, with my lifestyle, I would be a particularly good father or even, you know, partner. Um, But there did there did come a point where there was a switch. And I mean, I don't I don't know what to attribute it to other than, I don't know, you know, maybe uh, developmental, you know, stages stage sort of uh idea of how life uh unfolds um but maybe that's something that you know uh next time we 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 have another conversation you sort of like change your mind on or you know just maybe remain the same too you know neither you know decision is obviously the the right one but it's just interesting how um I, I was on the same on the same boat and wavelength. Um, yeah, like I definitely believe life it unfolds itself in seasons, and I feel like it's one of those things where I'm like, okay, in this current season of being a grad student and a full time teacher, and like having moved to Philly just a couple of years ago and like just kind of starting to like really develop and unfold my life here, it's like, okay, this is this current season, and like I don't see that for myself, like building a family right now like in this current season but it's like one of those things where you're like okay like maybe a future season version of myself would be down for that but it's just like yeah in previous seasons and the current season haven't felt that like drive necessarily but yeah I mean future seasons who knows (laughs) yeah and you're definitely uh more 
open and mature in terms of how you're talking about it than I was because I was completely like <laughs> cynical, pessimistic about the prospects of you know civilization, the world. That's you know, valid, how- though. I have those feelings sometimes. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> I'm like is this really. <laughs> With our current climate, do I want to bring a kid into this? I don't know, you know? Exactly. So then maybe, maybe, maybe yeah, we, we were looking at it from that perspective, and we don't want to be too cynical and dark in this particular conversation. But, yeah, um, yeah I was definitely, you know, in a very anti-natalist sort of um, neo-Malthusian sort of mind state where you're like, is it? intelligent and a altruistic choice to bring another life into the world and uh, my my views on on those sort of uh positions have radically changed and you know that's like a conversation for (laughs) another day and a whole nother podcast (laughs) but i do think that um at that point in my life i was definitely um a lot more cognizant of how particular individual decisions could have a wide um, impact. And I was definitely, obviously, um, taking into consideration and, 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 and weighing the, the wider impact of certain decisions more. Um, but I do think that one shouldn't necessarily go um, into extremes or way too far into one of those um, points because right. it could definitely warp or distort how you, you know, live your life and and um, think about fu- the future yourself um, and, and things that, you know, might make you happier or, you know, allow for more meaning in your life to exist or, you know, for fulfillment. You already sort of brought up a little bit about your family life and um, being a middle child, which I am too. Um, so just tell me a, 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 yeah, a little bit more about um, your experience uh, growing up with your, your mom and, and your dad um, and siblings. Yeah, so I grew up in Everett, Washington, which is like 20 minutes north of Seattle. Um, and my, my parents are still together. Um, grew up with my older brother is he's almost 32 now. So he's like four or five years older than me. And then my little sister is 26. And my little sister has Down syndrome and autism. And she's nonverbal and has been my her entire life, my entire life, obviously. Um, so that was always like kind of an interesting part of our family culture is just like having a sibling who's a person with disabilities and like especially having a nonverbal sibling. It was just interesting of like it my brother and I became closer of just like, it was easy for us to like play together and like grow up, like having conversations and stuff. And it's like, I, our family would always go to a lot of events for people with disabilities and like advocacy things and like marches, walks, things like that. Um, just with other families and around Seattle that had kids with special needs, disabilities. So that was always like, I don't know, an interesting part of our culture. And randomly the church we grew up into had, uh, it was a pretty small church, but it had a lot of families with kids with disabilities too. So it was like sort of part of our, like our church culture too, which was interesting. Um, but yeah, we grew up in like, just like the suburbs. Um, but we had like all these woods behind our yards. So when I think of like growing up, like my childhood was just like, we were always in the bog, in the swamp, in our woods. And like, just 
I don't know, just like messing around. I was really good friends with like all the neighborhood kids. Like they'd always be over. We'd be at somebody's house all the time. My like childhood best friend is still my best friend. She grew up across the street from me. We were just always playing in the woods or coming up with some dumb game outside, like out on the street till the streetlights come on kind of a thing. It was just really, I don't know, something I really didn't necessarily appreciate till I got older of just recognizing how a lot of, especially our students and like Gen Z kids in general, aren't always growing up with that, um, whether for safety issues or just where they live or just access to outdoor spaces. Um, I'm definitely very grateful for having had that. Um, just like a safe outdoor space to be able to play in right in my own backyard and to be able to do that safely and have a fun time and still come home covered in mud and bomb <laughs> being fine with that. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's, you know, to include to the, the, the reasons you enumerated about children not being able to experience the outdoors and just nature the way that you did. Sometimes they do have the access, but I think the, technological pull is so strong now too yeah. where they're just ignoring it and 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 becoming sort of uh enmeshed and just inside of their 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 phones and the 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 reality of technology as opposed to the reality of of nature in the world um, Which, like, but i it, hate it, to be like i hate to be like oh gen z kids like they're always on their phones <laughs> but like it, there is a component of it that i even see with like my own students are just like, okay, what, and I asked them, what are you doing on the weekend? It's like, I'm going home and I'm going to game or I'm going to, you know, be a lot of them like game, but they do game together. Like I hear about after the weekend of like 10 of them were all on the same discord or whatever. And I'm like, okay, I'm glad they are still finding ways to have community with it, which I think is more positive use of it. They're just like, you know, by themselves, which I think there's a time and a place, but it's definitely overwhelmingly when I ask them like, you do yesterday after school or what'd you do on the weekend it's usually something tech related um for better or for worse and it's i don't know it's sort of like oh, i don't hear so much like oh i went and kicked a soccer ball around with my friends at the park or yeah. went on a walk or i don't know it's like yeah there's kind of that that notable difference that i try not to be like oh stereotype they're always on their phones but like kind of like yeah. in some way in some manner they're it definitely does look a lot different than when I was their age. Yeah, I, I, I agree completely with that. Um, and while you were talking, I couldn't help but just think of your experience as like the ideal Pacific Northwest childhood, <laughs> right? Like, so it's, it's, <laughs> it sounds like exactly what I would have expected. Uh, yeah, which I always like make fun of myself because like, I hate hiking. You cannot drag me on a hike. <laughs> I tried so long to be like, I'm going to be that Pacific Northwest girl that loves to hike. I hate it. I literally took a hiking class in college to try to force myself to like hiking and I absolutely hated it. And it's just that and like, I don't know, just all the Pacific Northwest activities. I'm like, no, that's the worst. Don't make me camp outside in the rain. That sounds terrible. But there was that aspect of like, I don't know, just being able to mess around outside and be in the Yeah, exactly. The way you made it sound was like it was an organic um, relationship that you had with the outdoors and just playing outside and, and building uh, relationships and community with the children around you, as opposed to what hiking and camping is, which is like, right. you know, ironically, it's all about like planning and like, okay, uh, how do I use it as a an escape of, you know, 
modern technological society, but you know, you're obviously like instrumentalizing nature as something um, that you use to escape as opposed to just, oh, we're just inhabiting and within the 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 reality of nature and not necessarily thinking of it instrumentally. I didn't think of that juxtaposition of it being organic versus plant. Funny how nature can be planned. <laughs> exactly, yes. <laughs> I feel like it definitely contributed to me, like like I said earlier, seeing the world as like seasons or like life as in seasons of just being in the woods and knowing exactly which berries are going to be like ripening when. And like, I don't know, I always thought I don't have any tattoos, but I always thought like if I ever had any, it would be some kind of like something from the woods that I grew up in, like I know school's going to end soon when I see like the cherry trees blossoming in the yard because that's like June, May, June in Seattle for our trees, at least. And then I know summer's just started with the salmon berries. And I know it's like the middle of summer when the huckleberries are out. I know school's about to start and the blackberries are out. It was like you could always just tell the secret <laughs> of like life just by like what was growing in that's... the woods. I feel like it kind of directed a lot of my like understanding of the cyclical nature of things as a kid it's it's great to to see someone be able to just um, measure the seasons in a way that isn't predicated on you know calendars like i do like i have you know i'm like oh winter's coming i know the leaves are going to fall and that's all i know and then you're like oh spring the sun is out yay um <laughs> But you have a much better understanding and 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 holistic view, so I I, I really appreciate people I like you. Seasonal yeah. affective disorder will lift once I start seeing daffodils, because I know that means it's spring and like the sun is going to be returning. Just trying to look to that for like cues. <laughs> yeah. Aside from your neighborhood and 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 just being in 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 the Seattle area, how would you um? How, how would you describe your your experience in the educational system? Uh, well, I grew up, so my family was very conservative, Protestant, Christian. Um, this one sect called Calvinism that I grew up in that I deconstructed a lot um, in the last like 10 years. But because of that, the people that I went to, a tiny little church that I went to, um, people from there started the school that I went to. So it was the same theological bubble of my family, my church, and my school. Like I saw all these kids like literally seven days a week and which was exhausting sometimes, but it was, my school was a pre-K through 12 um, school. So all, all grades are in the same spot. We are divided into grammar school and secondary school, but we were all still in the same building. It just kind of divided like honestly uniform colors and like, like rotating your schedule versus sitting in the same, being in a self-contained classroom. Yeah. Um, but it was a private Christian school and I was there third grade through 12th grade. So I was homeschooled till third grade okay. uh, and then was at the private school third through 12th. But it was a classical school. So it was really academically rigorous, way harder than college or grad school, honestly, just like wow. it was really intense. And like, I had to take Latin for 10 years and was like we would just study like Greek and Roman history, philosophy, theology, like all that stuff. Um, so I do really appreciate some aspects of it of just like discipline and responsibility, um, not procrastinating, even though I still do that. <laughs> like respect for 
others and teachers and I don't know a lot of those and being able to like really think through things and not just agree with things because people around you are agreeing with them although ironically that's kind of just how like I still felt in that bubble just like I kind of just believed everything because everyone else believed it Mm -hmm. but they were very big on like critique like self-critique and critiquing others works um and they they functioned on a model of what was it grammar and then logic and rhetoric stage so the grammar stage are just like rote memorization when you're little memorizing facts figures um just kind of basic things that you can just like be able to rattle off and then middle school was like the logic phase so eighth grade we didn't even take math eighth grade we took logic as a class and just like okay how do you rationalize things you reason through things which i like kind of want to bring back a little bit for some of my middle school classes i'm like <laughs> need a logic class sometimes i'm not understanding that if a equals b and b equals c that a equals c um, <laughs> that's like that where i'm like mm, we might need some of this um and then high school is the like rhetoric phase so having um and we had an actual rhetoric class of like speeches speech writing speech like actually giving speeches we had to do a senior thesis senior year of like writing a 20-page paper memorizing it and then defending it like you would a phd and i still when i can tell when i'm stressed because i get stress dreams that i have to do my high school <laughs> and like it was so much right um, i don't know it was a lot but i am grateful for the things like having being able to kind of like think through things and use those like stages and the aspects of my brain um i don't know tiny classes though i was the only girl in my senior graduating class there were six people like tiny tiny little school my brother is the only guy out of four people like small small little school (laughs) yeah um that's that's very interesting i mean maybe during our uh uh daily chats last year i should have shut up more and picked your brain a lot more um, cause I would have known these things, um, m- mentioning that you were homeschooled, how would you, um, how would you compare the experience, uh, learning at home versus, um, how you learned in school? Um, and yeah. And can you break that down or were you just a little bit too young to, to have a sense of, um, how the, the differences impacted you and right. which one preferred? To be honest, I don't remember a lot of it because it was till I was like seven, seven or eight. Um, I just remember the last year I was homeschooled. I was homeschooled. My sister was in a special ed class at a local public school and my brother was in the private school. So all three of us were in totally different schooling system. <laughs> and my mom was like, all right, I guess I'm just like a taxi driver now. Just like <laughs> driving, pick up this kid, drop off that kid, take this one to soccer. And I'm just in the car. My mom's like, all right, we're sticking on some phonics, like cassette tapes in the van. And you're just going to listen to phonics as we go pick up your brother. Like, I just remember that last year being like chaotic. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I remember. I mean, my mom is very my mom's been a, like a piano teacher for decades and her grandma is a piano teacher and her mom is a piano, like a long line of piano teachers, which I'm the weak link. But <laughs> like she, so she like knew how to convey like information and like be able to teach things, which I do appreciate because I know not everybody who's homeschooled like has a parent that's necessarily gifted at that um so she was good with that and I do remember a few a few things of like studying ancient Egypt I was one of those kids that just loved like the ancient Egypt the archaeology and all aspects of that I thought was so cool I remember her like 
she had this canteen and she put some stuffed animals in it and like dug it and buried it into our garden in the backyard and had me do like an ancient Egypt archaeological dig kind of a thing. It was really fun. Just stuff like that that she could do with, you know, one kid at home, which you wouldn't necessarily get to do in like a classroom. Um, And we went to like a co-op too, from what I remember. It was like once a week. So once a week we would go to like a school for tons of kids that were being homeschooled and would have like a consistent class every week, basically. Um, But I remember it being like music and there was one that was like character. So we learned about a different character trait every week, like diligence one week and honesty another week and stuff like that. Um, But yeah, that's kind of, it's like way in the back of my brain. (laughs) I remember. (laughs) Visuses of my unconscious. Um, Generally being positive. I don't remember anything like necessarily bad about it, but I am glad that I got to switch into like, Okay. Schooling system. Like, I'm grateful for that. I don't think I would have liked being homeschooled the whole time. But when I was little, it it worked for when I was little. Yeah. Why is that? Why, like, I felt like it worked or why, like, I'm glad I switched. You glad you switched? Um, I think it was good for me to, like, be in a classroom and hearing, like, different opinions and perspectives on things. Um, and while, again, generally everyone was kind of the same bubble background there was still some amount of like diversity and opinions and like backgrounds that I could kind of I feel like that got to develop like some empathy that I might not necessarily have had just from like ignorance of just Mm -hmm. being only you know myself in a class yeah Um, I'm grateful for that and like I got to do some sports and theater and student government stuff that like I wouldn't have gotten to do so It was a, a bubble, but the bubble you were in at home was so much smaller. <laughs> Concentric <laughs> circles of bubbles. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's I love this conversation because I went to California um, last month and oh, two nice. friends and I were, were having a, a discussion, debate, dialogue about the pros and cons of, you know, um, homeschooling. And I was on the pro camp and, you know, ideally I think I would love to homeschool my daughter, Marilyn. Um, But the, the sort of uh, strictures and and the financial responsibilities that Paul and I have make it so that, you know, we both have to work. And so it's, it's, it would be really, really hard unless, you know, like I'm able to win the lottery or (laughs) Paula gets a much, much, higher paying job that you know you you kind of have to send send her to school and just hearing from you that you appreciated the fact that you were outside of school i mean sorry outside of your home to gain a different perspective and to um to to be able to do different things is giving me making me feel better about the fact that i am going to have to send my daughter to school which is something that i'm a little hesitant and um there anti-school says the person who's a teacher at a school <laughs> well you know uh <laughs> isn't that the reason why they say you don't you you never watch how the sausage is made because yep. it will make you not you know want to eat yep. it um so that's very yeah fair. um and I, it's not necessarily that i'm completely anti-school but I, I i do think that one needs to be a lot more intentional and to implement certain values that i think is difficult to have in you know, public and 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 larger networks of schools such as Catholic schools or charter school networks, et cetera. Um, yeah. So that that's the main crux of my um, of, of my hesitancy is that 
you know, the larger the networks of schools are and, and, and the more children and the more bureaucratic, um, the more hierarchical and, and, and sort of um, stifling of individuality and creativity that they become. And so that's 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 mostly what it's all about. Yeah. And I had the privilege of like not having a learning disability like that. You know, I think my mom would have ideally liked to homeschool us with my sister. Like she didn't have the resources or necessarily the energy to like be able to homeschool her effectively and myself and my brother at the same time. And it was just like, you know what? We had pretty good special ed programs in our public school district. We happened to, and it was just kind of, you know, what worked and it worked that she could homeschool me because I didn't need necessarily the like extra time or help and I could function socially in a classroom whereas not everyone could my brother had some difficulty with that and it's just like you know I feel like it really it depends on your district it depends on the kid you know and on the year even I feel like some years things work better than others if you end up with something crazy like a COVID year like that (laughs) the window you know like yeah I feel like it's I can see the pros and cons for so many different systems and like you said once you're like in the system yourself you start to notice the flaws and the things that really don't work which is eye-opening and important things to notice though sometimes discouraging (laughs) yeah exactly what are your views on politics and yeah can you can you delve into that yeah um so like i said grew up very conservative christian i feel like my politics and like religion as they often are, are kind of intertwined. Um, But I, so I went to, like, it was considered a liberal Christian college in California, Azusa Pacific, um, which in retrospect is actually still pretty darn conservative, but compared to what I grew up in, everyone was like having an answer when they found out I was going there, like, you can't go there. That's like the liberal college that some of their professors might be atheists and they don't believe in like a young earth and just all this stuff that I was like, okay. But I feel like my, as my religious deconstruction happened, my political deconstruction happened like kind of simultaneously, honestly. Um, And I'm definitely the liberal snowflake from the Pacific Northwest now, (laughs) like very much so. Um, So yeah, definitely left. Um, and just, I feel like as I was deconstructing so many things and was trying to, and just was exposed to more perspectives, that's kind of what did the deconstruction for me. It's like, once I got out of my bubble and like met people who were of different sexualities, gender identities, um, socioeconomic statuses, race, ethnicity, cultures, like something was like, oh, okay. These issues that I thought were so easy to understand and pigeonholed are actually so complex and like duh that's how the world is <laughs> I'm not sure why I thought everything's black and white yeah. um, but just as I realized like the complexities and how like certain communities of people were impacted by some legislation that it was like well that's not my community so like that doesn't matter to me you know I'm gonna vote on what affects me and my particular demographic but just realizing like no that's not like really respecting humans or you know god's creation and people and i think that's kind of what made me change my mind on a lot of things too it's just like being exposed to different perspectives and demographics and communities of people yeah you had you had mentioned 
the enlargement of the concentric circles. And again, it's just sort of like uh, an enlargement of the, the the circles of sympathy and empathy. And, you know, um, I do think that it's very easy in our youth to, you know, have a Manichaean perspective where there is a black and white um, mindset just because it simplifies everything, right? Like we might oh, not have the capacity to process um, and the, the the complexity of the world. And so for our own mental and emotional sake, we just, you know, simplify it into a narrative of, you know, good versus evil, black mm -hmm. versus white, us versus them. And as we get older, we mature, we develop, uh, we understand that it's it's way more complicated, it's way more complex, and you know the, reduct the reductivist sort of perspective of our youth is so silly. And um, but obviously, it's it's a it's a necessary sort of um, maybe not necessary for the preternaturally sophisticated and and mature people, but how many of those are there? And so. Um, I do think that it's something that most of us have to 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 grow out of and and to deal yeah. with. You obviously had spoken about um, just growing up Calvinist and you know Christian conservative. So do you want to talk a little bit more about that and 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 maybe how you've um, distanced yourself a little bit from that or how you've incorporated? those uh those beliefs from you know your family and your youth into um your views now um i would be interested in hearing that yeah um so i think the deconstruction definitely did start at azusa where i went to college because it's like the first time i had heard an understanding and a perspective of god of jesus being with the people on the margins and being with those and being in solidarity with people who are marginalized, that was just not, I just never heard, I think it's called liberation theology. I had just never heard like that perspective before. I'm just like, oh, Jesus is with a Samaritan woman who's like, first of all, he's hanging out with a woman, not accepted. Also somebody who's Samaritan, not accepted. Also she's alone at like a well, like that seems, you know, a little dicey at that time uh, for a man to be alone with a woman. And just kind of hearing stories like that and like, oh, Jesus is like with the tax collectors and the woman who was like openly menstruating and like children and just people who are not valued or centered in society. And it was just kind of my first hearing of that. and was like, oh, this makes more sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> this tracks, like I can get behind that more. Like that makes more sense. Um, and then after I graduated, I was with the Mercy Volunteer Corps in Guyana, South America for two years, and I had never been exposed to any type of Catholicism before. I just did not grow up around anyone who was Catholic. Also, I could totally be wrong on this, but I feel like I had just not really met or seen a lot of Catholics or like Catholic churches in the Pacific Northwest. I feel yeah. like on the East Coast, it's like I see so many more like Catholic churches and hear about mass so much more. I feel like there's more of a culture here. I could be so wrong. Cause again, it could be those concentric circle bubbles. Um, but I just like had not, didn't really know much about it at all. And mercy volunteer Corps, they're like, well, to be a volunteer, you need to be like accepting an open of like all faiths, including Catholicism, but you don't actually have to be Catholic to be a volunteer. And I was like, okay, fair. Like I'm down for that. And 
it was just funny that I was like suddenly serving with all these nuns. And I was just like, I don't even, I had to like watch my friends who were other volunteers, like do the sign of the cross. Cause I was like, I don't know how to do that. Do you start <laughs> up here? Do you start on the right? Or, like, I just had no idea. And was just like, okay, try to adapt, try to assimilate quickly. Like not only was I trying to adapt to a new country and culture, it was like also adapting to a new religious culture at the same time. Like, okay, how do you do this? And between that and then now with I'm in grad school at St. Joe's, which is a Catholic university, and then teaching at a Catholic school. It's so funny because my family's like, what? <laughs> like you're so really deeply immersed in Catholicism when you, you never... are you Catholic? I know. I was like, <laughs> I'm not, but I just am suddenly like really immersed in it weirdly. My grandma was like, wow, my parents who are Catholic would be so confused, but so proud that you're like somehow really in this. Um but for me, I just was drawn to like the social justice, um, like components of Catholicism that I think are really cool that specifically like Sisters of Mercy and a lot of Jesuits are like kind of on the front lines. Um, and with the Mercy Volunteer Corps, like their four like main values that really stuck out to me, like they're kind of pillars that they call them. It's like simple living, social justice, like living in community with others and spirituality. And it was just like those four, I like, even after coming back and living stateside are still things I'm trying to constantly incorporate into my life and like sort of have as guiding points. Mm -hmm. um, but it was interesting then to be coming to our school and being thrown in as a long-term sub for religion <laughs> and like, <laughs> And specifically getting them ready for confirmation. I was like, I don't even know what confirmation is. Like, I just, oh gosh, I don't want to out myself. It's like someone who just does it. I don't know what I'm doing. And was just like quickly trying to research and figure out what to do and like what to be teaching. Um, and still being like very open to that, even if it's not necessarily like my belief system, but being very open to like, I love the caring for your community and being on the front lines of social justice issues um, which I understand is not representative of all like Catholic, I don't know if sects is the correct word, but like groups, um, and leanings, but from those I've spent time with and like really engaged with, I really respect that. Um, I'm probably more like agnostic currently of just like having deconstructed and gone through all those, not really, I guess, growing pains, but also shrinking pains in a way of just like my worldview having to change so much in like five years which I feel like is very angsty 20 something of me to say but I feel like it's still accurate of just like okay you remove yourself from the bubble and suddenly what still stands and what doesn't right. uh, but yeah still being very like open to other religions but not necessarily have found my like niche or feel a need to find a niche in it I'm in my late 30s and I'm in the same boat that you are in terms yeah. of agnosticism. Um, I mean, I was, I, I grew up Catholic. My parents are, were Catholic. I, from a very early age, uh, rebelled against that and was pretty much an atheist for a long time. And I want to say that maybe toward my late 20s, I started to um, discover and just research and question my own set of beliefs. And like, you, like you've been um, saying, deconstructing how I approached and, and related to the world and existence. And now in 
I, I feel that like we've talked about the complexity and the complications of existence and, and what this all means and purpose uh, have made it so that I'm very humble in knowing that it's a lifelong process and a lifelong journey to discover some semblance of certitude or certainty about any of this. And if not, um, that's okay too. Yeah. Um, but just being open, like you've been talking about and, um, constantly being curious and having that hunger for, for meaning and understanding, I think goes a long way in being able to, to approach these questions, um, well, right. Because I don't think that when I was younger and I was so adamant about, uh, rejecting, um, the teachings of my parents and, and, and sort of the, what I, what I, what I deem to be the, the hegemonic ideas of religion in all societies. Um, I don't think that that was a necessarily good perspective to take either, but it might've been a necessary, um, step in my dialectical growth as, as a man and as a person. Um, but here I am, and, and I think that if we just take those four pillars that you mentioned, right, and apply it to our own lives, regardless of faith or um, whether you're a believer or not, I think it will go a long way to making your life so much more um, robust and fulfilling, right? Because spirituality doesn't necessarily entail religion. Um, being in community doesn't necessarily entail being part of uh, a church or a community of believers, um, but it does show you that there needs to be some sort of um, um, cohesion and however you reach that uh, would be, would go a long way in, in, in making one's personhood as an individual so much more uh, rich, right, yeah. to do it with others. And I think finding that balance that um, between all of those questions um, is, is, is what, you know, life is all about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I do appreciate that. Like when I do like catch up with friends from college, some have deconstructed are agnostic or atheist. Some have deconstructed and are still Christian. And it's just like, I'm very grateful that I can count those people as part of my community. Even if, like you said, it's not a traditional like church community necessarily. It's like, oh, this is just a community of like people supporting other people in their own journeys and not, I've never like felt lesser than or judged from those friends, even those who have remained with their faith, which I'm like, you know, if that is the right path for you, love that for you. Like, that's good. <laughs> I'm glad like that it brings me joy knowing my friends have and other community members or family members have those things that like have given them meaning and community and like guidance kind of and it's just I don't know something I'm grateful for that community can look so different to so many different people and even people from different communities can blend together and create their own community and I'm so glad you you brought up the fact that your friends aren't judgmental and that you also aren't judgmental because we associate um faith and religious beliefs so much with judgment and right. um and and you know dogmatic ideas of how one ought to behave, how one ought to believe, and just having a sense that, hey, we can all reach differences of 
how we believe, how we approach living without it necessarily impacting how we treat others, right? And I think that's so much a so much better way of relating and being with others that it's sort of sad that that truth isn't shared by so many other people. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, there's still, I don't know, sometimes that people will ask. Like, I went back and visited my parents' church. I went up to their Christmas Eve service last December for the first time since I left that church like 10 years ago. And just being so scared <laughs> to be there. It's like, I need to take a shot before I go to this. Like, I don't know I'm going to go. Like, like, I don't know. I Because I was journalism. Um, I studied journalism in college. And I had written some things for our like paper magazine just about like that deconstruction process and I had somehow gotten back to some people from that community and I had never put anyone on blast I never <laughs> it was just like my own reflections of myself and my own mm-hmm. deconstruction and like understanding and it just like people were really not a fan of me kind of removing myself from that church community and so it was kind of my first time going back since that time and just being nervous and just being surprised by like oh many people were just very kind and welcoming and happy to see me you know whereas I had kind of been anticipating or expecting this like intense judgment which was probably just my own internalization but (laughs) yeah I was like pleasantly surprised by it yeah and to be fair or or transparent um whenever someone mentions Calvinism all I think of is judgment right like <laughs> so, I mean, I think, yeah, that's part of it, to be honest. I feel like a lot of people aren't familiar with it. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. Like, is it predestination? Is yes. That the, yeah. yes. So, I just, I just. Intellectual superiority, which is <laughs> still like that. So, it's funny because you, <laughs> you were teaching religion last year. And, like, for me, like Calvinism, um, Catholicism and all these uh, conversations around predestination and free will, original sin, where I don't know why, but probably because I'm super into philosophy, um, are just things that stuck with me from like social studies in high school. I was like, I'm like Calvinism, John Calvin, that's a very interesting fella, very, very smart, but also uh, kind of judgmental and very much an elitist who is I'm like how are we only going to have this super small minority of people being saved um so Calvinism but also um Jehovah's Jehovah's Witnesses also have a Mm -hmm. similar idea of like only 44,000 people are going to be chosen um yeah yeah, I've I've heard of it because I was just super interested in those sort of religious theological questions growing up um and that word and the idea of judgment has always just lurked in the back of my head. Maybe because, you know, like as a good Catholic, not a good Catholic, sorry, growing up <laughs> Catholic, you're just like, I know I say I'm an atheist. I know I'm, you know, fulminating against the silliness of believing in these things. But in the back of your head, you're like, I just want to be saved too. Like maybe I should reconsider my positions because <laughs> I'm not trying to like burn in hell. Um, <laughs> do you do anything? for towards self-improvement um any sort of mental or physical uh consciousness practices yeah we so i feel like with grad school and also working full-time and it's just been i don't know a lot i feel like i've been slipping in a lot of those areas and trying to work my way back into that because i feel like i used to be very good 
at being very mindful and like giving myself space and time for reflection. I feel like I just have been not doing a great job of that in the last year and a half. Um, but something I'm trying to get back into is I, when I was living in Guyana, did salsa dancing, started doing that as just like a self care practice, getting to meet other people like around my age, um, learning something new and fun that I'd wanted to be, had wanted to learn for a while. So I've been trying to get back into that. There's actually a pretty big community in Philly of salsa, bachata, merengue, like classes and, um, open like floor nights, like every weekend. Um, so I've been trying to get back into that a little bit more, um, just as a way of movement and like joy and movement and not feeling like, I don't know, having like, a being annoyed of having to move <laughs> like <laughs> I feel like a lot of exercise can feel like for me I'm just like oh yeah. like I have to do this not because I want to whereas right. dance is just I don't know for me a lot more intentional and joyful and I, it's just more fun um with our program our grad program we live in community with other teachers so I live with 12 other people um that are all in education in some way and we do weekly spirituality nights um as a group too, which is fun because sometimes we'll do meditation or a yoga practice or just kind of sharing how things are going, um, for everybody. So I do appreciate those like kind of weekly check-ins, um, with other people in education too, of just being able to kind of see where everybody's at, but yeah, not as much like self-improvement as I would like. And I know I'm keeping one of those people that's like, Oh, when this is done, when this season, <laughs> yeah. done, when, because I'm also doing the play right now, which is like, I'm at school till five or six every day. And it's like, when the play season's done and my master's is done, it's like, I know some other excuse will just pop up. So I just need to get on it. <laughs> or or maybe not. I mean, like you said, uh, life comes in seasons. So you never know what the next season uh, will will hold for for you. It also sounds to me that a lot of your self-improvement is, isn't necessarily based on um physical improvement or even spiritual but well yeah spiritual but it more towards like a a a, a grappling with your ideas and beliefs and you know deconstructing them and so i think that's definitely a form of self-improvement just you know grappling intellectually with the yeah. legacies of your family the legacies of your religion the legacies of who you thought yourself to be um and allowing for growth to emerge from that questioning um of 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 the foundations of your identity so i think you know that's 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 a form that is probably a lot more you know a lot harder than just you know waking up and going for for a run right <laughs> thank you <laughs> yeah, um, i was out to dinner with a couple of my roommates like two weeks ago and just like a random weeknight i don't know how our conversation got to like what we were like in high school or college or something. And I was like, you guys would not have liked high school or even really college, Marissa. Like, they're like, really? Like, what do you mean? I'm like, I just was, was so much of that, like, judgmental, like, judgmentalism. And I feel like I've had to claw my way out of that so much. And like, I don't know, and they were surprised. And I was like, you're being surprised with that is like the biggest affirmation and like compliment I could receive. I've just, I don't know. I feel like that has been such a process and a journey. Yeah, there, there you go. So a, a definite <laughs> example uh, of of self-improvement right there. Any big regrets in your life so far? I think staying 
in places or with people for too long that I knew early on I didn't need to be spending time there. (laughs) Uh, Whether it's like a job and knowing kind of right off the bat, like, oh, this is not going to be beneficial for me professionally, spiritually, um, like own personal growth wise, or in relationship with like people platonically, romantically, anywhere in between of just knowing like this is not really serving towards my growth or health necessarily and still like trying to convince myself like "Mm, this is fine (laughs) when I think that's something I've been able to grow in a lot recently too it's just kind of knowing early on like okay this isn't going to be necessarily healthy or beneficial or positive and getting better at being able to remove myself or move on from certain roles or people but I think yeah, I don't feel like I've ever, I've been plagued with any massive regret. I'm very grateful for that. But I think yeah. as far as just regret of that habit of not necessarily listening to my gut um, when I know that it's time to move on from somewhere or something or someone. And finally, to wrap up the what's lacking question, what is your favorite book, movie, and album of all time? I was sitting with us for so long because <laughs> I am such like, when it comes to each of those things, it's so, I can be a very indecisive person and it can be hard for me to really like narrow it down to like, this one is the best. Like this one's my favorite, but I think I have my list. And for a book, The Westing Game is my favorite. It's like a middle school level, like mystery book. Um, it's this author who, Ellen Raskin, who only wrote like two books, but they're, this one won think like Pulitzer maybe and it's like one of her first books but it's just kind of a fun mystery like you don't know who like did the murder and it's kind of a like a whodunit but the character development is really really interesting um I have a couple copies on my shelf at school because I'm trying to force my kids to read it for fun um (laughs) I really like that one um nothing sounds like fun (laughs) When you're forced to do it. You're going to read this book, whether yeah, you like it. It'll, yeah, like you're it. going to have fun. It's my favorite, so I'm forcing you to read it. Um, for movies, I I literally just watched this last night and forced some of my roommates to watch it. I guess that seems to be my pattern at the moment. <laughs> um, it's 10 Things I Hate About You, the rom-com from like the 90s, early 2000s. Uh-huh. It's set in Seattle, so I'm a little biased with that. But also just, it really holds up still of just like, some of its commentary on like race and feminism and where some of those intersect too. And just the humor, I don't know. It really holds up. I still am a huge fan of it. Yeah. Um, and like, I've, I've seen it. I don't remember it. That's fair. <laughs> you know, like I'm, I told Joseph Gordon Lovett and Heath Ledger and Julia Stiles when they're like in their twenties. Yeah. The Heath Ledger in that movie. I think that was like one of his first roles, if I'm not mistaken. Um, okay. And and I was just like, oh wait, this is this is the guy from Batman. Like, yeah, uh, sure. All right, level leveling up. But maybe <laughs> I should I should not think of you know leveling up from that because you love it and it, it's great. You know, it. It's a good. It's a great movie. So maybe I'll I'll rewatch it and and see if the commentary is is <laughs> is, is as good as you say. Good. Um, and as far as albums, I really like Walk the Moons album talking is hard i think it's like 2014 maybe 2013 um it just felt like kind of a soundtrack to like my college years and i went i saw them twice randomly i saw them in college in la 
then I saw them again in London like a couple months later and they I don't know it was just like kind of one of those albums my friends and I all listened to and it was always on it's kind of I like it for just like the memories associated with it like good band good music but also just I feel like I choose the music I listen to based on like friends or memories just like it was always on our road trips um I went and saw them with a bunch of friends too I listened to them a ton my like last couple of years of college too so just I'm, I've never yeah. heard of that band so what genre is this oh they're like indie pop you know the song shut up and dance with me that's them I, uh it sounds oh yeah oh, okay yeah I, it sounds familiar i think if i yeah 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 I like a i think indie indie pop is or like alternative pop is like technically okay. the genre what's, the, what's their name again talking is hard is the album and what's walk, the, the, moon walk is. the moon okay Thank you for being part of the podcast. This was an amazing, great conversation. I really um, appreciated uh, picking your brain and getting to know uh, your your background. It was it was fascinating. Um, yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited for our springtime. Maybe we can continue our recess monitoring conversations once the sun comes back. <laughs> yeah, we most definitely will. Take care. Good. All right. See you later.